Jeff and Robert here uh, did a pre-recorded show this week. Uh, had a couple things that we need to take care of, but uh, definitely enjoy the show. We talk about uh, the rail strike in the UK. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, hormone replacement therapy, and also we talk about um, possibility of a strike for uh, the railroads in the United States. Definitely enjoy. Like looking at like TRT, like testosterone replacement therapy is like everywhere is a scam it's just like how bad of a scam is it like you can go to like a local place and they're gonna charge me like 200 dollars a month or i could just pay like a hundred dollars less than a hundred a month and get just like tests delivered to me but then i don't know what the hell i mean it's coming from like some lab in florida and i'm like i don't, I don't even know what this is it seems sketchy, but like the idea, this, this is actually a good, I'm glad like we stumbled on this when we were offline. This is actually a good thing talking about testosterone replacement because like, so like steroid abuse is definitely a thing. And then like synthetic, like taking actual testosterone is not steroid abuse. Like if it's under, under a doctor or whatever. And like the way I've been like looking at it, like you, you, you go get a blood test and they'd be like, Oh, your testosterone is low. And they just bring you back up to optimal levels because I'm 41 years old. And I'm like, it's crazy that like that is now like normalized to somewhat like you still, it's normalized to where it's like, it's not like a cloak and dagger thing. Like I can go up the street, I can go online, I can get whatever I want to literally get gender affirming treatment. Yeah, that's what that is. I mean, it's literally gender affirming treatment. But like, people. we want to go after trans people who like want gender we'll get the affirming same exact hormones. Yeah, right? yeah, like, exact same it's, stuff. It's wild. But like, that's that's like literally. Well, I mean, it's not even that different. Like, it's not it's not different at all. I really I don't need to to um, optimize test my testosterone. I don't have to have it to live. Mm-hmm. But I'm 41, and I don't want to have a dad bod. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm eating, I'm eating more protein. I like a shit ton more protein, a butt ton. Yikes. A lot more protein. I'm lifting weights five to six times a week. Um, but I just want to feel like I did in my twenties. And literally what that comes down to is I want to be like twisted steel. Like I was in the Marines. Mm-hmm. Like what that comes down to is I want to feel the way on the, um, on the outside is how I feel. I feel on the inside. And that's exactly what trans people are trying to do. And like, you take like a Jordan Peterson who you hear him rant about trans people. Like, what does he go do? He goes and has, you know, hair plugs. He goes and has a surgery so he can, he can feel more ma- So he can have masculine traits of like having a full head of hair. It's absolutely ridiculous to go after somebody who wants a surgical uh, a, like surgery surgery or something pharmacological pharmacological to to feel the way that they they do mm-hmm. inside to look that way outside. And we were talking what brought this Joe on Rogan was up too. Yeah, Joe Rogan and he does it all he's a, he's an abuser. See, that's yeah. different. See, that's that's see that's different. Like the well, I, is the, uh, Oh, he absolutely the, does. Uh, allegedly, if Joe Rogan ever here, he's a legend story abuser. Because if you look I, at him yeah. 
if you look at him with no shirt on, he's got the classic, um, he's got the classic steroid abuser, uh, bubble gut. No, he looks like he, he looks like he has a turtle shell on he his, on his stomach. Shell, like also, I mean, you've seen the picture of him with the nips, right? He's got gyno. I didn't know. I don't know all that. Hold on. I'm going to show you. It's, yeah. It's, so I'm not. Yeah. So that's the difference is like, I'm just trying to optimize what I already have. Yeah. And like trans, and just while you're looking for that, trans people are trying to do the same thing. Like every human being, I don't care what. Oh, I don't. I don't know anything about that. I don't oh, know. This right here. I mean, that's I'm not, not normal, right? That cannot be. Normal. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But I know that bubble gut is what steroid abusers have. Mm-hmm. They, when they have. Also, they he's, have got a, like, he, he's got the cop thumb head too now. Eh. He never used to have the cop thumb head, but now he's got the cop thumb head. I don't know. I mean, that's that's not a steroid thing. That's but, just um, <laughs> I don't know what that is, to be honest. I know what you're talking about. It is, it, is what I'm, it is what it is. The cop thumb head. Like, maybe he just like, thought his hair was going. I mean, now we're getting into bro science because like there is a thing like if you have more testosterone like you have. But that's that's like genetics. I don't think you can put that on. Like you have your forehead ridges are like a lot more pronounced and you have like a thicker chin mm-hmm. um, when you have more tests. But I don't think like if you look like even... Like if you look at China, like Joni Lawler and stuff like that, um, but like a lot of that's genetics too. Like, and I don't mean that steroids got well, she like. Did, ste- take- did, she, did she do steroids? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is, her genetics were already there. Yeah, she was a big, like, big brained woman. Right. So what that is is she had more testosterone naturally than like the average woman, mm-hmm. and so it's like natural for, for women to have testosterone anyway. It doesn't matter what gender we came out as or not actually see, look at me. I'm using the wrong stuff. It doesn't matter what sex we came out as or which we're assigned we, at birth. We both have like a uh, male sex, not gender, but male sex and female sex. We have the same hormones in us. It's just what balance of what. So if somebody's like, yeah, like the way I feel this way. So I want more testosterone and like, that's, Men have been men are doing this. There's you can watch a commercial on late night TVs. So watch watch a ESPN at like Sports Center at midnight. You're gonna see some guy with a with a pot belly talking about how he feels sluggish and slow and all he got this cream that he rubs in his head. It's like he's on the cream. He's on the same thing that Barry Bonds was on. Yeah. Man, that whole Barry Bonds thing, when you think about that like forever ago, like the the whole steroids witch hunt that baseball is still they're still doing it really with the Hall of Fame and stuff like that like they're still like like is is Barry Bonds even in the Hall of Fame even though he's the no. greatest hitter of all time no. like that's crazy like, now, if you want to transition to sports like my my like, opinion Bonds, is like say, like Barry Bonds is a jerk he's a terrible person he like was awful with fans yeah, he like awful. hated he was terrible with the media he was it sounded like he was terrible with teammate didn't join the union like there's a lot of negative things about Barry Bonds but the truest thing about him is that he he hit the ball harder and farther than anybody ever did and with the you know it was just like I don't know and he, he was a 500 500 guy yeah. with with and, and he had you know his head got bigger and bigger because of the use of these steroids or whatever but like who cares who cares like that's the one thing that like if you want to if you want to send Barry Bonds up on anything like go for it, except for the steroids. I don't know, man. Well, the thing about steroids, yeah. and like, if you want to transition to just like a, a guy like me who just wants to have an optimal test level, and I'm just a normal guy working a desk job, and you, and you want to transition from that to you know gender affirming pharmacological treatments or surgery to sports, my opinion is every, every all athletes should just be on. They should be on 
testosterone. They're trying like to be the all, best, right? All of them. And then they should just be medically monitored so like people aren't abusing. Sports, if you can compete in sports without doing steroids, God bless. But like Well, it's not even it's not even about like it's about getting the optimal effort, you know, yeah. for the work you're already the optimal outcome for the work you're already putting in. But the real reason that like people don't want to talk about why you should be on it, like, is because of recovery. Mm-hmm. And like that's I'm not saying like wow this is like the the sports steroid show now but like children like youth sports absolutely not and it's not like because it's it's because one your testosterone levels are already through the roof so you're already going to be like an abuser already and it's going to mess you up two you don't like the craziest kid who's playing like travel winter league baseball does not need has time to recover so we're like a professional, like MLB, like baseball player. The reason why you're taking steroids at that level is because you're playing a hundred and whatever, 60 games a year or something, 182 games a year. And you need, you need that to recover. How we got onto this before we came on the air, we were talking about wrestling and that guy, Kip, whatever the guy uh, who was the uh, 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 Billy Gunn. Yeah, Billy Gunn, like he like he is like an advocate for for you know TRT and testosterone He's a massive and dude. he's a huge old man. And yeah, he's, he's like, like yeah, he's like sixty almost sixty years old. And then yeah, he's, he's like, like, Yeah, I need this for recovery. And it's like that's true though. Like I'm forty one and I'm hitting the gym and my joints are just like I my muscles don't get sore. My muscles recover. My joints mm-hmm. whoo hurts hurts buddy, bad man buddy and that's and it wasn't like it that. no joke no it wasn't like that 10 20 years ago mm-hmm. and like my my joints are on fire for days mm-hmm. and so just having like an optimal testosterone level will help you recover from that and if like a woman wants to have and i mean like a woman in all sense and all gender like if they want to have an optimal estrogen level so they can feel going back so they feel the same way they look the same way on the outside as they feel inside. Who am I? Like nobody's I'm nobody to say that that shouldn't be happening. That's crazy. Yeah. Like do Boys, that. Girls and NBA, if, 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 if hormones work for you, then take them. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of your gender, regardless of like, right. or trans or whatever. like, like nobody. And I tell you, like to be straight up, if you want to talk about, you know, anabolic steroid abuse or abuse or whatever, like, a lot like guys are doing that, abusing that recreationally for fun just because they're like, oh, I want to add 30 pounds to my bench or like whatever. Like, I want to look good. Like, no also trans, like, also no like, trans person's doing that for fun. Yeah. No one's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. You know, it's like the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody's thinking like that. Also, like cultures of that st- stuff that are like, 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 it, like implemented by the boss. That's a problem. Like, was that like was in WWF in the 1990s, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Sure. That was another big deal. That like Vince McMahon was essentially like running a steroid operation. <laughs> I mean, he was acquitted of all charges, but like allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But ironically, like, yeah, that stuff will mess you up. Like, if you yeah. are abusing it, like it looks crazy. Like, one, it makes your body look crazy. Oh yeah. Two. Like it does, it does mess up your cardiovascular system, but like it, the, the poisons in the dose, like everything else pharmacological, like if you, if you are just optimizing and you're doing it under a doctor's care, like there's, there's nothing dangerous about it. Uh, have you ever watched that movie? I think it's for, I think it's, it's like a maybe 15 year old movie now. Um, and I think it's free on, um, 
YouTube. Uh, it's called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. No, it's about it's like a, a movie about anabolic steroids, and then um, that was like goes, the, uh, that was the workout routine that we used in, in my, when I was in high school, like Bigger, Stronger, Faster, or something like that. Yeah. And then there was, and then they talk about that, and he he compares it to like um, SSRIs or like. Um, you know, kids taking Adderall, like everybody's on something like, yeah. you know, just caffeine to get through the day, that kind of thing. But no, it's good. That's, that's my, um, I don't know. I just had that on my mind because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Oh, my shoulders are sore, man. <laughs> you want something to make that better. Right. I know, but it's hard to find. It's hard to find a clinic. I tell you, it's hard to find a clinic that's like, doesn't feel like a scam and isn't like overcharging me. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel shady. It's either if either it feels legit and they're charging me way too much that I know this is like, Oh, $250 a month. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, and then another place is like, Oh, this is, you know, $55 a month. And it just feels so shady. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Like, nah, it's gotta be something in the middle. I'm looking for it. gotta be something in the middle between like going to the mayo clinic and like meeting a guy in the in like the bathroom stall at the gym right which is what like a lot of these online clinics feel like like i'm not doing that yeah it's wild well you want to change gears uh let's talk about so um Look, you've been to Trader Joe's before, right? It's once or twice. They have the cowboy caviar's real good. Yeah, it's the place where they have like the um, Aldi food that they charge more for. Yeah, basically, I mean, they have stuff. I guess there they have like a decent beer selection or whatever, but like most of it's just like frozen food that they sell that you can like like cook. But it's like it's a store that like a lot of. um, I don't know, like like middle class, like suburban white people go to basically, right? That sound fair? Oh yeah, you know it is owned by Aldi, though, right? I didn't know it was owned by. Hundred percent, it's owned by Aldi. Mm-hmm. Um, fact check me on that. I know it is, but like, yeah. So it's just Aldi. I, I mean, like the food Maybe is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, food, yeah, like I like Trader Joe's, but like, yeah, it's super. It's so easy to spend like a C note in there. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Trader Joe's just today. I fact check count. myself. Uh, just today, it was announced that uh, the first store that um, the first store in that chain has uh, formed a union. Trader Joe's store. This is uh, from the Guardian. I'm reading from Trader Joe's store in Massachusetts become first unionized. The supermarket chain is the latest major company where workers who pa- uh, who passed a vote uh, 45 to 31 have unionized. So there you go. Shout out to the uh, Trader Joe's union. Uh, cool. coming off the heels of, I mean, again, Starbucks uh, have you know done hundreds of stores already and still counting uh, all kinds of stuff. So um, we have a, a whole lot of uh, workers doing organizing and doing cool stuff. So uh, shouts out to the uh, worker, the workers over at Trader Joe's. No, I love it. That's great. Um, yeah. yeah, more unions, the better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can just read from this article real quick. Employees Please. at the Trader Joe's supermarket in Massachusetts on Thursday became the latest workers at uh, at a large company to approve a labor union. The store in Hadley, about 80 miles west of Boston, is the first Trader Joe's with an employees union. Although workers at two other 
locations have initiated union efforts in, in different parts of the country. Uh, vote passed 45 to 31, and it's part of a nationwide wave of employees at major companies who are attempting to unionize. I mean, right now we have Amazon, we have Starbucks, now we have Trader Joe's, it's all kicking off. So, I mean, like, this is awesome, man. I mean, this is this is one of those things where uh, we got workers just doing organizing. It's sweet. Uh, Robert? No, no, go ahead. Organizer at the Hadley Store launched the effort in May in an open letter to the company, CEO Dan Bain, citing concerns about pay, benefits, and safety. About 89 supervisory employees were eligible to vote, including what the company calls crew members and merchants. They could never call workers workers. Like, if you ever work at one of these places, like, I remember when I applied for a job, I didn't get it, like, one time, to, to go, like, like, Outback. And it was like, oh, you want to be an outbacker, huh? It's like, like, why can't you just be like a worker? Because you have to be a, a team member. You have to like have buy-in to have your fake. You, it's, it's. We were talking about cults earlier, like yeah. off-air, and how Every I was, job. I was in a sales cult, and that's that cultist behavior. It's to try to change language, mm -hmm. and then that way, so when things are going bad, you feel like you're part of the outback, TGI Fridays, Bennigan's family, mm -hmm. and. Um, and it, it kind of freezes you for a moment before you hit the door. It um, yeah. So it's, it's to make you feel like, Oh, they really care about me here. And you know, absolutely not. I'm so glad I work at a place where like, I don't have to, like I actively be like, please, it, please do not. If you use the word challenge in front of me, I'm going to throw hot coffee at you. <laughs> or like, like I or know when you say, when you say it's challenging, I I already know you're trying to set you're trying to play me like Boo Boo the Fool. Yeah, when I was fighting, Please don't with, use that language. When I was fighting with Cox all weekend, um, and like in parts, like I literally, my internet's been out like like day after day, like running up into today. And like one of the things that they would always say is, "Oh, I can understand why this is customer service people and doing corporate speak." And like obviously, this is not on like the customer service person, mm -hmm. but like the thing that they would always say is. Oh, I understand how challenging you can be when you have interruptions of service. How can we work towards solving this problem together? You know, like instead of saying like we as the service provider, um, how do we fix it? No, no, no. We have to fix this problem together. Like like sharing the responsibility despite the fact that you're paying them to provide this service. Well, that's I mean, that's a little well, different because I've, I've had that job and what you're doing is you're doing reflective listening like a therapist to where like your boss, like that kind of the, the corporate cult isn't reflective. The corporate cult is we came down off of Mount Sinai and here are the tablets. And this is, this is what will go and will not go in the Outback Steakhouse family, but never forget we I are a family. Yeah. yeah. So when I ask you, so when I, when I tell you, you got to stay late to cover a shift, it's to benefit the family. It's not to it's not to benefit the the corporation of Outback. You're doing it for the family of of the Outback. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. um, I've had that job. Like a lot of people, what you want, the reflective listening thing is a lot of people just want to be heard. They want mm -hmm. they they want to they want to be heard. They want to have their thing. They're not even trying to. They're not even necessarily looking for an answer. They just, they just I want know. you. To I was look. I, let me assure you, I was looking for an answer. I wanted my internet back on. <laughs> That's I what know. I wanted. <laughs> anyway, I know. 
anyway, we're, we're I, I just like like wanted to just compare like let's say that the corporate speak sounds similar in certain kinds of ways. No, absolutely. I mean, and see, that's one of my red flags. If I go on a like you know to the point of my life, if I was on a job interview and you know the hiring manager, HR, whatever starts talking about how challenging thing things are, or they, I just I dip out. I, I'm already like this is this is a nonsense place. It's, it's toxic. Abusive. It's We're really not doing abusive. That. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I mean, instead of just, you know, but you'd be surprised how many people are really, I don't, I don't know. See, this is one of those things where I'm not, I'm not better than other people, but this is one of those things where it's like, I really question my own head because I, I rather be told cause this, that kind of stuff works for a reason. Yeah. I rather be told, Hey, Robert, this thing I need you to do is bad. Like it's really bad. Mm-hmm. But like, I need you to do it, and here's why. And I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But if we you try to honest, tell, respect honesty is the yeah. Thing. But if you try to tell me something's not bad, and we all know it's bad, and the emperor has no clothes, I, it's a extra. It's not only am I going to have to do something that's bad. It feels like you're insulting my intelligence. It feels like you're playing me like a fool, and I I cannot I cannot deal with that. That that is more of a slight. Than doing the thing that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's, but a lot of people can't deal with that though. Yeah. A lot of people can't. A lot of people need to be like coddled and 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 have their hands held. I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm crazy, like mm-hmm. a pop person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I would never. I would never call you not crazy, my buddy. Don't yeah. worry about that. But like, I, I mean that in the nicest way possible. No, I know what you mean. But like, anyway. We're kind of anyway. Shout out to the uh, Trader Joe's Union just to kind of circle back, and then I kind of wanted to move on to Please. something that's really exciting. Uh, so, like, how much do you know about this um, uh, transportation strike that's happening in in, in England right now in in, in UK and in, in, in you know turf To be honest, none because I all what I know is you know I, I know what's going on at Number Ten Downing Street. I know a bunch of people who who stabbed, you know, Boris Johnson, Boris in the back, are now trying to clamor and get that job. Justice for Boris? Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to say I wish that we. I wish that the tour. I wish that labor was better. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, uh, I mean, tellingly. Uh, so basically, there is a transportation strike uh, taking place in uh, the UK right now. And uh, notably on that front, like the Labour Party, the American Labour Party, I mean, the the, uh, UK Labour Party has uh, very conspicuously decided just to like not back the labor union that's that's on strike right now, which is just so ridiculous. I mean, the idea that you have a labor party that doesn't support labor is like, why do you exist? Right. You're just literally the other party of capital, the other party of of lords and monarchy and earls and all this other stuff. That's it's 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 ridiculous. But um, anyway, one of the people that has come to my attention who I didn't know about prior uh, is Nick Lynch, I mean, Mick Lynch, uh, which is like, by the way, like a super like oi British name, isn't it? Mick Lynch. I sounds like a boxer. Yeah. Does sound he does sound like a boxer, and then like he's got this other dude named Eddie Dempsey, which is also sounds like a like like awesome. those two dudes were fighting. It sounds like somebody from like the nineteen eighties or seventies who were like, you know, scrappy British lads coming in, you know, fighting it out. 
What was the, I don't know. Anyway, uh, here <laughs> is what? What are you going to say? I, I don't. You're going to say even, something cringe and then pull back? Buddy, I would never, ever say anything <laughs> cringe. I would never do that. Don't even, don't even. It makes me laugh. Anyway, here's um, Mick Lynch when asked, because, I mean, obviously, the just like in America, the British press, when, you know, workers decide to actually stand up for themselves, like people start talking about, are unions doing too much? Are they too powerful in, you know, Great Britain? You know, um, that old chestnut, like, obviously, when... Um, when workers go on strike in America, it was like, wow, what, what, you know, what else did the workers possibly want? And it's always framing it in these really like BS ways. It's never are the bosses too powerful or anything like that. It's always the workers wanting too much. But anyway, here's Mick Lynch addressing that question. We haven't got too much power. The problem in this country is that trade unions don't have enough power. That's why so many people are based. suffering poor wages. So That's based. Such an imbalance in the workplace. And it's a shame that the Tory party is descending into an ultra-right clique at the moment. And Liz Truss is seeking to take away human rights and the ability of the democratic right of people to express themselves through their trade unions and industrial action, which is one of the pillars of our democracy. It's only repressive regimes that stop people going on strike and stop them expressing themselves and stop them rebalancing uh, the power in the workplace through their trade unions. Right. So, like, literally the idea of workers standing up for themselves and, like, that is, like, that's the most basic rights that you can possibly have, right? I don't know. Of course. And and, and this, this framing that, like, workers shouldn't have the power to stand up for themselves or to, to like fight for better wages, fight for better benefits, fight so that they're not getting screwed over at the job like every single day is is one that is like fundamentally a it's not even it doesn't even fit like the the liberal framework of the world, if you know what I mean, like like the idea of like enlightenment liberalism and, and like these rights of free speech and free association and all these other things like the fact that. Um, the fact that these workers can't express themselves in that way is actually pretty like in line with that framework, even though like it doesn't go far enough. I don't know. Like it, it's just extremely, it's extremely, um, it's extremely absurd to even ask the question like are, do unions, which are the representatives of workers, do though, do they have too much power, but it's never the boss. The boss never has too much power. I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think like in the UK, like where would that rhetoric come from? Because at least, at least in a man, it comes from like the, it comes from like the main media outlets in the country. Well, no, I mean like what, what leg does that have to stand on? I'm trying to look at it objectively because, okay, if you're going to look at like America and somebody says, well, you know, or have unions gone too far? Like, obviously that's nonsense, Mm -hmm. but you could at least use like the cudgel of like, organized crime i'm trying to pull at any kind of straw yeah to be like to to try to bash people over the heads with you know like oh like the teamsters were involved with the mob whatever and and be like oh. that's that's the unions going too far like what what's the example of like unions going too far mm-hmm. in in the uk in great britain i mean i'd love to know if there is one maybe i should google that and, and educate myself but it's just 
It's absurd. Well, it's like what you said. I'll, I'll just say that this definitely isn't it. No, it's absurd. <laughs> like what you said. It's it's like skyrocketing. Uh, you know, CEOs have never-ending profits that aren't shared with the people who make those profits, and it's never too far for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've got. Obama out there. I'm trying to think of somebody British. You know, I don't want to pull like I'm tired of talking about Elon Musk and and <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Let's talk about Richard Branson. Yeah, Richard Branson making a fool of himself with the St. Augustine. You know, um, with the St. Aug band here in New Orleans and fun boarding with Obama. It's never too much for him. Never. But it's 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 always too much for somebody who like is just trying to make ends meet. Who's actually making? Who's actually making a way so this man can go from board? Mm-hmm. Here he is on Good Morning Britain reacting to the idea of nationalizing the rail system in Great Britain, which, which is, I believe, and maybe we'll get a little more information on that here. But like, I believe it's still owned by the government. It's just con- like the the service of like running the rail system is contracted out to um, like companies, almost like charter schools here you know essentially like the uh the 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 responsibility falls on the government but we're doing public private partnerships to uh because that's more efficient or whatever but here's here's lynch on the idea of nationalizing rail let's pause real quick for station id you were listening to whiv lp new orleans 102.3 this is good morning comrade well, joining us now is the RNT's General Secretary, Mick Lynch. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. So another day of disruption. Why is there no agreement on this? What's the sticking point from your point of view? Well, Network Rail have made a, a set of proposals that are unacceptable to our members. They're changing their work-life balance. They're changing their unsocial hours. And the pay offer, which is an offer over three years, is inadequate to address the cost of living crisis that we're all experiencing. And on the other hand, we've got the train operating companies who've got an agenda to shut every booking office in Britain, go back to the guards disputes that we've been dealing with over the last six or seven years. And they also want to make mass redundancies and they've made no offer on pay whatsoever uh, to us. So we've got a situation where we've got a, a, a large gap to bridge and we're not in a position now where we, we can settle. So we need to work hard on this. We need to get the negotiations on again and we need a government that's willing to facilitate an agreement because the government is vetoing uh, a settlement in this dispute. Grant Chaps is the Minister of Transport, and he has a veto over the train operating company's negotiating position. And, of course, he is the shareholder and owner of Network Rail. So we've got All right, so, so really quickly, the people that they're negotiating is Network Rail, right? And, and, and the companies that are sort of a part of that, um, Grant, Grant Chaps or Graham Chaps, He's the transportation secretary, and he owns a stake in these companies, in these companies, and he can just hand, like like unilaterally reject any deal that the um, that the um, that would be settled. Essentially, he's the trans- he's the transportation secretary. He's got obviously a conflict of interest. He's not going to confuse uh, recuse himself, of course, because he's you know uh, he th- that. He's not a cuck, obviously, because he's not going to do that. But uh, that's just sort of like setting the table. Position where we need to to work some solutions through around the negotiating table, and we're not there yet. Okay. Well, we're speaking to Grant Chaps later, so uh, we will get his response to that. But from the point of view of the 
the pay then you've been offered this two-year 8% deal. You know, where, where in your mind does that need to get to? Because So it's like an 8% increase in funding, but no pay raises for workers. And like, again, sucks. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've got the 8% deal. They say they've given you a no compulsory redundancy guarantee, other benefits and extras on the table. But they say you left the talks over that. So does it just come down to the pay? Because they have said that there'll be no compulsory redundancies. Is the main sticking point for you the level of pay increase that, you, that your members have been offered? Well, it doesn't come down to the pay, no. It's a, it's a pay deal over three years. Our members got no pay increase last year and they've offered us a two-year deal over the next two years. So it covers a three-year period where inflation at the moment today is 11.8% on the retail price index. So it doesn't match this year's cost. So what, he, what he's saying really is really smart. He's basically saying that like, even if they're getting uh, like a slight pay increase or whatever, the fact that it's not like in line, with, it's not even the same as inflation which is like the, the how much more stuff costs over the next year. The fact that that's not it's not even that it's it's such a like crappy increase that it's 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 not even cons- worth considering. It's essentially like a slightly less pay decrease than if they got nothing. <laughs> Damn. So it won't match next year's cost where inflation will be high. But on top of that, we've got some conditions of service proposals where they're looking for. 50% cuts in the maintenance regime, which we think is not safe. They want to move us to a position where we're taking on a much more unsocial hours contract. And there are changes to the working practices which are not acceptable to our people, which we think will make their working lives a misery. Now, we can work on that. We can get to a position where we get the modernization that the company is looking for. But they've got to value the changes they want properly so that our members get a square deal. But on the other side of this, We've got the train operating companies as well, which is 50% of this dispute, where we've not got an offer on pay whatsoever that is anywhere near suitable. So there's a big, there's a big division between the two sides. But the person that's responsible for that is Grant Shapps. It's, he owns Network Rail, effectively, and he has a veto in the contracts on what's offered to us. And he is in charge of industrial relations in the train operating companies, and that's written into their contracts. Mick, uh... There was a threatened strike at uh, British Airways um, and then that was called off because they managed to do a deal. Grant Shapps told us last week he was involved in bringing the two sides together. Why is it possible to get a I deal say you know it was a bad deal. strike, but not <laughs> in this rail strike? You know it was a bad deal because Grant Chaps is the one that came in and brokered it. No. <laughs> the Tory like, transportation minister is like, you know what? Here's a terrible deal. You'll take it, and unfortunately, the workers took it. <laughs> look at this dude, by the way. Just like, uh, look at this dude. Look at him. Like, well, I imagine it's because the- like he even looks kind of like a boxer. Like uh, Nick Lynch just looks like a boxer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got that vibe. In the in the aviation industry, wants to get a settlement. I don't think Grant Chapter wants to get a settlement to this dispute. We've seen the two uh, Tory leadership contenders uh, puffing out their chest and saying that they'll make effective strike action virtue. virtue. Yeah, and it, like by the way, this this took place or this is taking place like right in the middle of like you were saying earlier, like Boris Johnson, the like weird like British version of Donald Trump. 
like being ousted. So like the government is in complete disarray and chaos. And you have like two people that are contending for his job, essentially like saying like, I'll be, I'll get, I'll give the workers at the rail companies a worse deal than the other guy, you know? And it's just like a race to the bottom in that way. So this doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. Actually illegal. So if you're talking to him, if he wants to give me a ring and get in contact and facilitate uh, an agreement, we could get round the table with him this afternoon if he wants. I know where he works and he knows where I work. So if you, uh, a deal going. He, I'm very happy for him. To I love this dude, man. Let's be outside. How about that? I'll ask you about him. There's been a bit of confusion in the last couple of days about Labour's approach to. I know where you work, son. <laughs> I know where your mama work. <laughs> and also about whether ministers should be on picket lines. But just to ask, if Labour were the government and the railways were brought back into public ownership, how do you think that would change things for you in this kind of dispute? Who would you be talking to, do you think? And the kind of things which are being asked of your members at the moment on pay and on modernisation, those reforms, do you think they would change if there was a Labour government and a nationalised railway? Well, I think, we, I think if we had the railway in public ownership, we'd properly fund it. At the minute, what's happened here is that Grant Shapps and the Treasury have removed £2 billion from the funding of National Rail and they've removed £2 billion from the funding of London Underground. And that's caused a massive gap. And this is where the savings that they're seeking to, to make, which comes out of the pay bill and other measures, has come from. So if we had a properly funded railway, we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, and if we had a properly funded railway, we'd, we'd have a more secure future, not just for the workers in the industry, but also for the passengers, so that we could get a proper fare structure that people get value from. And the railway would be running the interest of the economy and the interest of the environment and the interest of the users. So At the moment, the problem is that... Smartly, like, he smartly answered that too, like talking about how like if the... So he didn't say like we definitely want to have a nationalized rail system in the UK. He, he, he probably may, you know, I assume he would say that we should have that or whatever, but like he kind of answered it in sort of a, uh, a squishy way to the point that like, he would basically say, just fund the railroad system and stop trying to catch me on like a different, like a different question. <laughs> in the, sorry, Mick. So Labour would be putting more in public money year, in. in the worst year for, sorry, Mick. Not necessarily. In, in last year, in the worst year of passenger revenues, the private companies took out £500 million of profit from this industry. And that's where winning the, one of the big gaps has come from. So if we got rid of the privateers, we could concentrate on running a service for the benefit of the people. And if you had Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, they're going to legislate to say strikes in railways are illegal. Would you then advise your members to break the law or would you be fighting the government in the courts? Well, we, we will look at the law and see what we can do in the courts. But if they make it impossible to have lawful industrial action, then workers will have to see whether they take unlawful industrial action. That's just just the Cockney, Cockney Malcolm Dude, if like, by it, any I, means necessary, Mike. I don't mean to say like that. Like, I don't mean to be like that negative on American labor leaders or stuff like that. But I cannot imagine a single one of them that I can think about other than like Sarah Nelson or like Christian Smalls saying something like that like no absolutely yeah anybody with actual power no 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 way like well i mean sarah's got power and she she advocated she did very much a similar thing when they did the the government shutdown a couple of years ago um basically saying that we're not going to put you know 
we're not going to put our own workers in danger on these underfunded, you know, flights or whatever. And that's when that's how she sort of made her her bones. And and this is um, this is you know Mick Lynch saying something that's even um, I mean I would say you know a little bit more out there um, in in like the best way possible, saying that if the government makes it illegal for workers to strike, then we're just going to have to find we're going to have to ask. Our, he he really put it in a smart way too. He basically said we're going to have to have our members decide if they're willing to do it unlawfully, which is the right way to do it because I mean Sorry again. For. Un, um, unions are supposed to be um, run by the members, at least to some level. They're supposed to be run, at, for at very least, by the consent of the members. And and again, um, unfortunately, a lot of the times the way we see sort of see these things kind of play out uh, is that when 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 the law, when running a foul of the law gets you know involved, a lot of the times, uh, you, and this is not historically always the case. But it's a contemporary phenomenon, at least for the past, like, you know, since since the uh, uh, Reagan fired all the um, air traffic controllers. Um, basically, running afoul of the law is like not something that 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 labor leaders are, are interested in doing. You know what I mean? No, absolutely not. Like. Labor, our labor leaders are trying to work within the system. You, this guy's this guy's trying to kick the whole table over, which I I love and respect. Like because I'm to the age that's the only thing that's going to get anything done. You you can't. You got to rattle at least a little bit harder, you know. Yeah, you do. You can't just look for a p. You can't just look for a spot at the table. You got you got to be working to create a whole new table. Mm-hmm. I know that's a longer project and a harder project, but I mean, otherwise it's just constantly taking L's forever, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Industrial action. Then workers will have to see whether they take unlawful industrial action. That's a matter for them no, at the time. Based. We'll have to see what the law says. But we've come from that place. I was at the Toll Puddle Martyrs Festival last week where we were deporting trade unionists. We used to uh, charge trade unions with sabres. Now, the way that Liz Truss is going <laughs> on her direction from being a liberal to being a, an ultra-right hardliner, oh, yeah. maybe she's going to bring that back as well. Yeah. No doubt she'll be saying bring in the army next. But what we do need is a settlement to this dispute. And we need a bill of rights for workers in the workplace so that they can yes. get a proper set of agreements okay. and have Thank some some stake okay. in the workplace. Thank okay. you. Okay, that that's a little bit too far. A bill of right for workers. I don't know about all that. Okay. Okay. That's okay. enough of that. All right. Time to end this conversation. <laughs> Anyway, that was pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I get, I get pumped up for that kind of stuff because I'm a nerd for. for yeah, he rules. I, I like your, I like your nerdiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, there was also a really dope um, uh, interview with Mick Lynch that I posted on my Twitter uh, that I kind of want to go through a little bit here as well, uh, and then we can sort of jump because um, there's actually a little bit of talk of railroad workers in America that are possibly going to go on strike nationally, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Here's Mick Lynch. It's no good being pissed off. We need organization. This is from uh, Tribune magazine. In the weeks since the 40,000 RMT members voted for strike action, the largest rail strike since at least the 1980s, a lot has changed in the national conversation. The cost of living crisis has pushed millions of workers to the brink of poverty after a decade of pay squeeze inflation is uh, in running over 11%, and even the basics are increasingly unaffordable for many people across Britain. 
This was the backdrop to this uh, summer's rail strike, which pits the RMT and also ASLEF and the TSSA, both against profiteering rail companies and the Tory government. The ministers and bosses believe that the strikes would be massively unpopular, but polls in the recent weeks have consistently shown public opinion moving in favor of the workers. That's important to have the public on side because that means they're against what the government's doing. Um, uh, in favor of the workers and their trade unions. Is this the start of a wider fight back of working people? Should be sat down with Mick Lynch. So here's some questions. Um, a lot has happened since the rail strike kicked off in June, but I think it's worth reminding people about why it started. Can you give us some background in this? This is the reporter, Ronan Botenshaw, who does great work, by the way. Ronan's pretty awesome. The background, this is Lynch talking. The background is COVID. As soon as COVID came around, the passenger numbers, numbers dropped because they asked people to stay home. The government asked people to stay home. And they came to us, the government and the companies, saying that the industry's got to change. They wanted to use this as a once-in-a-generation opportunity to cut costs and get working people, uh, working practice changes that they've been after for years. So it's exactly what they've been pushing. So essentially what that means is when COVID happened, they busted out the old never let a disaster or good, uh, a good uh, disaster go to waste um, playbook and decided to say, hey, this is how we can just gut the, the, um, the public sector, right? This is how we can essentially cut down on public transportation and get people into individual vehicles like we have like we have all over America. If you don't live in like one of what a dozen cities in America or so, then you're just you're SOL when it comes to uh when it comes to transportation, you need a car or you need you need to be able to bike to wherever you got to go. It's been delayed from summer 2020 because the train operating companies collapsed. Since that time, they've been working out emergency measures and passenger service contracts. The government has been stuffing their mouths full of gold, in effect, and saying, we will take all the risk out of your business. This is basically just completely and utterly giving everything to the companies that run the rail system. You won't have to put any capital at risk. Your returns will be lower, but it'll be guaranteed. <laughs> They've got this model now that the companies get a royalty, essentially, of all the costs of the business. So essentially, like they're they're essentially get to do, like they're guaranteed income. So it's almost like that they're they're almost like tax collectors themselves. The companies are have essentially been put to an extension of the government, right? That's awful, dude. Mm -hmm. How much do you think the boss of the network? Whoa, what was that? How much do you think uh -huh. the network rail and maybe the government too see a future for this rail um, country in this country without a well-organized fighting union and the RMT involved? It, he goes on, he goes on, um, but essentially, he I mean he again advocates over and over again for workers being organized and and fighting for uh, what they need. So I I recommend everybody to check out the article. Uh, it's in Tribune Magazine by Ronan Burtonshaw. Uh, it's called uh, Mick Lynch. It's no good to being pissed off. We need organization. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty dope. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, 
I just wish, like, going back to what you said again, I just wish we had fighters like that in this in this country. It seems like the, the I, I don't know too much about, except what gets fed, you know, over mainstream media about British politics, but it seems like they have some semblance of a left. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any, like, as far as the left oh, has any kind of the power. Left, like, the left got kind of completely one. neutered, though, when it yeah. came to, uh, when it came to, to like, knocking out Corbin when Corbin was when Corbin Corbin was essentially neutralized um, as a threat um, politically I don't think it's unfair to say he was assassinated by like no not at all an utterly scurrilous um, anti-semitism charges that are based in nothing like he was completely and utterly smeared and ousted from uh, ousted from the leadership of the, of the Labor Party so like since that time the guy that came in Keir Starmer is basically like the difference between the Tories and the uh, and the um, and the and the Labor Party now is essentially like much like the difference between the Republicans yeah. and the Democrats right now. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> the yeah, la- the Labor Party is just cut to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just flashed it to ribbons, and like like that was essentially. Not even if like Biden had won the uh, the primary, but if like <laughs> if like Joe Manchin had become president or something like that, or the leader of the opposition, it's disgusting, man. Um, but yeah, in the United States, there's also the possibility in the short term of uh, workers getting uh, a rail strike happening. Uh, this is not like passenger rail. This is a lot more like the uh, the, the, um, the logistics sector, right? Late on me. We got like five more minutes. Yeah. U.S. railroad workers in closer to a possible national strike. After Biden appointed an emergency board to help resolve a labor dispute, rail workers warned, quote, we have the ability to stop the trains from moving. This is, uh, and in these times, it was uh, dateline just a couple days ago, um, mon- this Monday, the 25th. After waiting over two years to secure a, new union, uh, secure a new union contract and still reeling from the impacts of Wall Street or cost-cutting measures, 1, 115,000 beleaguered workers who operate the nation's freight railroads are inking closer towards a possible strike, which could come as soon as September. Now, like that seems like a really long time away, but there's a lot of like weird procedure that needs to happen for, for these kind of things to happen. Mm-hmm. In an effort to drive down operating expenses and reward their wealthy shareholders in recent years, railroad companies have implemented precision scheduled railroading or PSR, a version of just in time lean production that centers on reducing the workforce and closing facilities. You know why the supply chain in America just breaks all the time now? It's because we just thin all of the the people out. We 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 get as few people on staff to do all these jobs as possible. So if there's any kind of disruption in it, it becomes extremely fragile and it falls to bits, right? Correct. For years, they cut and cut and cut. It didn't matter which department or terminal. It was indiscriminate, said Michael Paul Lindsay, an Idaho-based locomotive engineer with Union Pacific. That's one of the railroad companies. Over the past six years, the major Class 1 railroads like BNSF, Union Pacific, CSX, and Norfolk Southern have slashed their collective workforce by 29%. That's almost a third. 45,000 workers leaving the industry industry woefully understaffed and putting extra strain on workers already accustomed to long 
irregular hours. So essentially, they're basically working people to the bone, not giving pay increases. They're just make, essentially making them work overtime all the time. Um, despite that fact, railroad industries remain highly profitable, with owners raking in $183 billion in stock buybacks and dividends since 2010. That is a jaw-dropping amount of money. <laughs> It's crazy, dude. <laughs> so Since bad. 2022, coalitions of 12 unions, dubbed the United Rail Unions, have been in negotiations with the major railroad companies represented by National Carriers Con- Conference Committee. The unions include the Teamsters Affiliated Bro- Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and the Trainmen, the Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transport Workers Division, Smart TD. Uh, I've got a buddy of mine that's actually a member of Smart TD. Um, but with bargaining kept behind closed doors, for a few, a few specifics in the negotiation have been made until po- recently, made public until recently. But in addition to raises in healthcare, workers say one of the major points of contention is staffing. So essentially, they're not even con- like they they definitely are not against the idea of getting raises. But the top priority seems to be. We need more people out here working these rails because we're killing people. I mean, like railroad work is dangerous, right? So dangerous. I mean, like those trains are big. It's crazy. And if they run over your foot or whatever, or just like run into somebody, like you can see people get squashed between cars or, or, or all kinds of crazy stuff. Those things are heavy. It's bad, bro. Like, yeah, it's oh man, the amount of stuff that it's like I feel like railroads are like the it's the transportation that like we forgotten about. We just kind of, it just kind of sits in the background, but so much stuff gets moved by train in this country. And so much of that is not, um, not owned by the government. And it's just uh, these, the tracks themselves are owned by private companies. Yeah. You know how we love wrestling. We can talk about like, it's like the territory days of wrestling. But these train companies, these these railway companies have just cut up the country in their own little fiefdoms. It's so bad. Yeah. Apparently, Brandon's been involved in this as well. Of course uh, he has. Amtrak Joe. Mm-hmm. The unions and railroads entered into mediation earlier this year when it became clear an agreement would not be achieved through direct bargaining. A mediated negotiation reached an impasse in June. In accordance with the Railway Labor Act's cumbersome process, the next step was a mandatory 30-day cooling-off period, at the end of which neither party could have entered into either party rather could have entered into self-help, meaning a strike or a lockout, unless President Joe Brandon appointed an emergency a presidential emergency board to uh, examine the dispute and produce recommendations on the settlement within another 30 days. This is crazy, by the way. The fact that the uh, that they have to like jump through these extra hoops, um, in order to in order to like go on strike is insane, right? That's really weird. This month, at the end of the cooling off period, Biden did indeed step in and appointed a, a, a emergency board consisting of three legal experts who have helped resolve labor disputes in the past, delaying the possibility of the strike. So basically, Brandon slowed everything down quote anybody who thought biden wouldn't appoint a peb was foolish uh camino told in these times there's too much at stake politically he also knows that we will kick the railroads ass because there will be a rock solid support for the strike and the economy would quickly grind to a halt so like if there was 
if 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 basically if if Biden didn't appoint this board, all your Amazon stuff, all of your anything that you want in the world ain't going nowhere. This country right. shut down. Like, you know what's primarily transported over rail these days? If it's not a pipeline, oil is is transported by train, which is super important. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we again like the amount of labor that we that just takes this country, you know, that allows us to just live our lives, mm-hmm. our little like convenient lives that we just kind of forget exists, and all, and we don't treat these people right because it goes back to the thing we talked about. The um, to kind of wrap up the show. It 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 goes comes back to the thing of the language that's used, like the the corporate speak language. So you, these people who are working these jobs know that they're holding the country together. That's why they're so slow to strike because mm-hmm. they don't they don't they're want to collapse in society. They're not trying to turn it all down. Yeah, but they just want fair trade for their labor. That's all. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, and sometimes, look, man, this is and this is the way I look at it. If you don't have that weapon on the table and the credible, the credible, like if the gun's not loaded, you can't pretend that you're going to use it. Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) So like there. And again, obviously in, 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 in Britain, the gun is loaded and they're currently, they currently got appointed directly at, you know, the, uh, the government in this situation. Uh, you know, hopefully the the workers are, are on board for this. Hopefully they have a spine and hopefully they get everything that they, they want and they need. But uh, anyway, uh, that's going to, I think, bring it, bring us to a, uh, to a close for today's show. Uh, we're pre-recorded today. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different here, but uh, we do want to get used to doing the old, the old um, streaming schedule on Twitch. Yeah, twitch.tv slash goodmorningcomrade radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at eminentprof. Follow Robert on Twitter uh, at comrade. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans. This has been Good Morning Comrade. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>